Hi, it's Two Dimes and True Crime. <laughs> so creepy. We are two fun dimes talking about true crime all the time. Hey. <laughs> I can't take us seriously, so I hope no one else does either. We are two girls that like to just smoke a little, drink a little, call it a good day, and talk about true crime. Stop yeah. saying true crime in that voice. <laughs> it is so creepy. Oh, man. So this is our very first podcast. We have and never... you can't tell. Yeah, never done this before. We are a little bit... Ugh. So I guess we'll just start it off with talking a little bit about us. Um, I am Michelle, and this is Sarah. And What's up? We are two friends that met in college about mm, eight years ago now. Yeah, yeah something the like that. Day. We're getting old. We're getting old, real old. Everything cracks when I try to twerk. <laughs> so <laughs> our goal with this podcast was basically to be like, okay, so either we're a stoned because we're stoners or b we're just drink we're just kind of drinking you know and not like plastered but like enough to be like we're feeling our vibe and we're gonna talk about some of the cool like true crimes that we both have heard of and talked about and um our first episode i'm actually gonna start off with um i grew up part-time in a rural county in wisconsin and then also grew up part-time in milwaukee wisconsin which everyone knows is um, one of the most segregated cities in the world. And um, I'm actually going to talk about a story that I heard of when I was younger because um, to me it was a very important story, A, because we never heard about kidnappings even though we were warned about being in the alleyways and getting kidnapped and every other terrible thing you could think of. Um, But we were warned about it, never really heard about it, especially with you know, knowing that our city was so segregated in terms of race, you never heard about girls that were in the minority, you know, girls that were black or Mexican or Hispanic, and they never talked about it. You know, little girls that went missing from sex trafficking, from kidnapping. It was something you never heard about. But this case, I remember hearing about at, you know, I had to be what, like, probably eight or nine hearing about this little girl. I was going to say 2002. Yeah, we were like young because we were both born in 94. So, and yeah, Sarah is the baby of us both. We're like a month apart. So, Oh, you finally admit it. Yes. (laughs) And I got it on recording. Double (laughs) yes. So this is the story of Alexis Patterson of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. (laughs) Cue the fun music. Oh my God. So, The story begins on May 3rd of 2002, seven-year-old Alexis Patterson in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was living with her mom, Ayana, and her stepfather at the time, Laron Burgoyes. Burgoyes. It's something French. It's very nice. (laughs) So um, from what I read in almost every article that I read, um, according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Alexis was a seven-year-old African-American girl who loved the color pink. And she loved Same. roller skating. You know, Same. I can kind of relate to her as a little seven-year-old. You I know? might have biffed my face a lot on roller skating, but I remember those skate nights. Like, remember those nights, old. right. Yes. She had, <laughs> she had a pretty bossy personality, according to the resources, and she had a very bubbly personality as well. So I feel like we kind of relate to her. Like, I remember being little, and I was very bossy to my cousins and my when, siblings. Only when you were little? 
Okay. Also, when I'm older, I'm very bossy <laughs> as a person in general. And, you know. Um, you know, she was very loved by her family. And she was living with her mother at the time and her stepfather at the time. Um, and Laurent, her stepfather and mother, Ayana, also had a one little six-month-old baby at the time named Dasani. And so they were all living together um, basically around the north side of Milwaukee, which, like, never has been, like, the best part of Milwaukee. It just kind of depends where you're living. Um, and they lived about half a mile from the school, which was the um, High Mount School um, off of West Garfield Avenue in Milwaukee. So they would walk. Um, there was no resources saying, like, how often this happened or if it was an everyday thing. But um, the morning of May 3rd, 2002... According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in an interview in 2012 with Ayana, Alexis's mom, um, Alexis and her mom had gotten an argument the night before because Alexis wanted to bring cupcakes to her class. Um, and her mom said no because she didn't do her homework the night before. So it was kind of like you're not getting this reward for not behaving. And I feel like, you know, that really didn't go anywhere in the story. They never really talked about that much, but... Um, you know, being a seven-year-old, you're kind of, especially if you have a bossy personality and you're very stubborn, as it sounds like Alexis was, I'm sure this kind of like made her morning kind of crappy and, um, it didn't really go anywhere in the story, but understandably, I'm sure Alexis, if I was a seven-year-old, um, you know, held a grudge and was upset and, um, as a 26-year-old, I'd be upset. Right. Like I'm the same way now. Right. Exactly. So um, I couldn't find anything that said that like every day they walked to school like this, but I assume it was a regular routine considering the fact they lived a half a mile from the school. Um, so it sounds like that morning, um, Laron, her stepfather, had walked her to school and they walk about a half a block and he basically lets her walk across to the school. And um, according to that same reference, they he dropped her off and he watched her walk inside the school and that was the last time he ever saw her reportedly um and again I grew up on the south side of Milwaukee so I really don't know that area well or know much about it um and I lived there part-time with my mom and then part-time with my dad but I do know when you even go even a half a mile to the east it's a little bit more of a dangerous area so um you know there has been reported kidnapping attempts there um it's Milwaukee County in general you'll see that I remember growing up being like you can't play in the back at this time of night or you can't be in the front at this time of night you know there's either going to be a drive-by shooting or a kidnapping like it was a warning you always heard and um it's you know there's so many different theories as to what happened so I'm just going to kind of go into what sort of went on from there once she was reported missing it was the school had basically said oh we haven't seen alexis all day but they didn't report this until way later so you know right exactly and it's milwaukee wisconsin which the public school is this whole school system is just awful there i mean the public school system has no regard for children's right to an education in general and it's not even them it's just the government state you know state ordinance state laws federal laws just about school funding Um, so already it's, you know, it's showing a really bad reputation for them to show that their child has been missing this long and no one reported that she wasn't in class. Mm -hmm. Um, however, kids in her grade had actually saw her on the playground beforehand and she had been crying and had been sad. Um, this could be because she had gotten an argument with her mom. She couldn't bring the cupcakes, you know, having like a seven year old meltdown could be so many things that, that no one really knows. And, um, so they, that was the last she was really seen. No one had reported her missing in the classes. 
Um, so there were a bunch of theories that went around. So the time that her mom ended up reporting her missing, the cops actually in Milwaukee County jumped on this pretty quick, um, which was surprising. They jumped very fast considering that most cases reported in Milwaukee County were disproportionately white little girls. I mean, really, like you don't know. Everyone just says, oh, they just went missing. You know, it's just this assumption they're just going to go missing. And that's part of the segregational issue in mm-hmm. Milwaukee County in general, you know. Right. Um, unfortunately, that's many big cities. And so the police went looking for her, you know, never found any signs of anything. Um, and there are a few different theories that have gone around and ones that I kind of believe. To this day, um, Alexis has still not been found. Um, and so a couple of them that I've kind of come across are um, according to the Afro Lounge in 2016, there was a man from Creighton, Ohio, back in 2016, that claimed he believed his ex-wife, Lisa Miller, um, from Brighton, Ohio, was Alexis Patterson, and he had confronted the police in Milwaukee County about this. He said that when they were married, she didn't have any memory of her past, um, she had no childhood memory, and, um that there was really no proof of where she came from. And she had the same kind of physical markings as Alexis Patterson did. And so back in 2016, she actually did meet the family. He had brought up his daughter and um, his wife, Lisa, came up to meet Ayana, Alexis's mom. And Ayana was absolutely sure that she believed this was her daughter. She said all the markings on her face, all of the different patterns of her body were the same um unfortunately lisa did have proof that she was not from milwaukee and that she had her own actual birth certificate um she would actually would have been seven years older than alexis i was gonna say i was trying to do the math in my head and i'm like wait what are the chances that she right so young young, right Right. so basically if she would have married this man in ohio she would have had to have been like 14 right so basically like he'd be coming forward saying oh you know i had a relationship with a 14 year old, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that already would have been bad on his part. So like, and they did a test and everything and nothing came back. Oh, Um, unfortunately. So, and she had a birth certificate to prove where she was born. Um, but I honor to this day still sticks with the, with the belief that that was her daughter because she felt it. Um, so to me it was kind of like fishy because it's like, why are you so adamant that this is your daughter considering the fact like there's no actual, scientific proof of any type right um it's just kind of strange you stuck to that you know mm-hmm. so that was one theory that really i don't feel really pans out well i was gonna say it kind of goes nowhere it's like i don't blame the mom for it's the scene it's her daughter because she probably wants to believe in it right going, of like, course yeah right that's a mom's but faith right it's like okay the science is not backing it up so what else could be exactly happening? um yeah, Oops. <laughs> Oops. Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we'll edit that one out. We'll keep that to the real. Um, the other theory was that her father, her birth father, her mm-hmm. biological father, was um, involved in this. And according to the resources I read, he did have a background in child abuse and neglect charges. Um, I couldn't really find out where that was from. I tried yeah. finding him on CCAP. A lot of those charges were past the time I think that was reported because I couldn't find a lot. Mm-hmm. But the dad basically, her biological dad had um, prior abuse charges and neglect charges, also had some assault charges as well. 
Um, so I thought, you know, maybe there was something that he got involved in that he, you know, ended up trying to use her as a sex trafficking, um, something in sex trafficking, you know, because yeah. it would make like sense in that time, right, something in that area. Um, but unfortunately, I also read up that he was released from jail, which he had been staying in for previous assault charges. Okay. Um, and he was released three days after Alexis disappeared. So unless he had hired someone, there really isn't like a likely chance that it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been no links back to him, no actual proof. And really he wasn't, it sounds like a big part of her life. Right. Um, it sounds like he was kind of in and out of a lot of trouble, a lot of assault charges, a lot of jail time, um, not really any steady employment. Like he really wasn't, there wasn't a reason for him to try to go after Alexis or her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really didn't pan out either. Um, and of course the last lead they really had was the stepfather that supposedly dropped Alexis off at the front door. And again, I'm not seeing like if he always did this, but, um, you know, part of what their concern was is that originally when they brought in both parents, both Ayana, her mom and Laron, her stepdad in for questioning, um, it was concerning because, A, they had no notification from the school of any absences. So, you know, were the parents notified and just disregarded it? Yeah. You know, there was no information on whether or not the school had contacted anybody. I couldn't find that. Okay. Um, so it was a little bit interesting. And then the fact that when they questioned Laron and they brought him in for questioning – um, you know, he basically said, like, I did what I always did. Like, I brought her to school. I watched her walk away. Like, there was nothing abnormal. I loved her like my own. You know, the same story you might hear in a questioning lineup. But when the police questioned Laron and asked him to take a polygraph test, he initially denied it. He said, no, I will not take a polygraph test. And again, like we've like heard on so many podcasts, don't take a polygraph. Like, it, it's There's so, yeah, it's such bullshit. But like... It does look suspicious when you are denying taking one. Especially you know back what then, they didn't know. Right, there was no research. You know, this would have been early two thousands. There was no real research on how bad polygraphs really were and how yeah. inconsistent the results were. So it looks bad on your part to be like, "Oh, I'm I'm not going to take one." Yeah, it looks like why are you now trying to prove your innocence? Right. So you would think, okay, so he says no, like that's obviously a real open question line, like you're a guilty party in this. What did you do to her, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then Laron changes the story and says, oh, yeah, I'll take a polygraph. Okay. Dun, 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 does he fail? Right. Well, all we know is there were inconsistent results. That's all I could find is that the results were inconsistent and that could basically mean that if he was tested on a polygraph, you know, a polygraph goes off of your body temperature, off of your your sweat glands. I mean, there's so many different things that come into a polygraph test. So, I mean, as somebody who struggles with anxiety and, like, starts sweating at the idea of having to tell someone off, right. I feel like a, a polygraph, I feel like a, it's I nothing, like, right? because anxiety is I'm so this. anxious right now, you're even asking me questions, right? right? Like, you're but looking it, at me, like, stop looking at exactly. me. Exactly. It's still questionable. Why, A, did you deny a polygraph? Mm-hmm. And B, how did your results come as, as questionable? But there is nothing on record as to what the police asked him and what was questionable and what came back as inconclusive. You know, if it comes back inclusive, that says one of the questions they asked came up with, uh, he was a little bit questionable in his mm-hmm. answer. 
So, you know, was he a part of her disappearance? I don't think we know. I don't know if the reason they're not disclosing to the public is because it's still part of an ongoing cold case investigation. I mean, we're looking at, you know, almost almost 20 years since this girl disappeared. So is there still something that they're not saying that they know? That could be true. Right. And it doesn't seem like publicly we see any of that. And I don't know if it's because, A, the the case has been almost done 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. or if, B, it's like they have nothing, but they have something that they don't want to release because right. it's going to jeopardize it. Um, and that's something that I, I kind of wonder and I want to ask, you know, I kind of want to drive down Milwaukee and be like, can I talk to you about hey, the Alexis Patterson Milwaukee case? Can you tell us? Seriously, we'd like to know. Um we're really? going to be something big here with this podcast that like you want to get the goods to us versus, you know, the New York Times or anything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to be the next New York Times. So two, the... Two, two dimes are going to be the next New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, that was kind of the other question. Um, he was released, no questions asked. And actually, um, Ayana and Laron, um, sometime after all of this investigation came out, they did get divorced. So, um, you know, Dasani is is still, you know, around and she is an older little girl now. And there was a recent interview back in 2012 uh, about Alexis because they had asked Ayana some questions and, you know, kind of like a follow up interview. Like, how mm-hmm. is the family doing since they've lost someone so integral to their family unit? Um, and she still holds out hope that she will find her daughter and that she is she is somewhere that and that she's alive. Um there really have been no leads on this. And a lot of me wonders if something with the stepdad is there. Like there's something that kind of gets me because um, I, I guess even if you disagreed to a polygraph, like I, I just kind of want to know why back in that time you would disagree to it. Like now we know so much about mm-hmm. it, but back then it was like, you can determine if someone's lying or not. It's like Jerry Springer or yeah. Maury, you know, it was a thing you, you just, dis- right. It's something, you know, it was a lie and you know, um, again, that could be public television. So of course that could be kind of skewed, mm-hmm. but I just had this like idea that the stepdad knows more than he was letting on. I mean, he was the last person to see her, really. And I was just going to say the last person to see that person, the missing person alive is normally the w- most suspected person. Yeah, so. it's it's just interesting to me. You know, did Ayana have something to do with it? I'm not saying that she did. It's her mother. And um, it, from the interviews I'm listening to, there is still some, like, very hard things for them to get through, mm-hmm. you know, to lose a child. Right. Um, but was there something more going on that we don't really know about? It doesn't sound like there was, but I, I did kind of see Cap Laron and there's a lot of assault, um, violations against him and a lot of different things. You know, Ayana's record, I also looked up just to kind of be curious mm-hmm. and she has a lot of like, not really assault. She did have one battery charge, but this was back like against a, for a partner and it wasn't anything really from what I could tell serious. Um, she had some like bankruptcy claims and things like that. Something you'd expect as a single mom, you mm-hmm. know, like she's going to have no money coming in as income or, um, you know, it's something you, it's not really going to point to, Oh, you're a criminal, you know, yeah, but like some severe, right. Some severe assault allegations are something. And something I always have been trying to look into that I can't find is like, what were the, kidnapping rates back then in the area that they lived in you know sex trafficking in milwaukee county has become a real issue that no one really talks about Mm -hmm. um 
when could it have started? You never know. Like I was lucky. I never got approached by some stranger in an alley or in a yard. Um, you know, but there have been so many stories I've heard of almost kidnappings and almost those kind of abductions. My own siblings have been approached by random strangers that obviously seemed not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the chance that she was sexually trafficked and has no idea that she belongs to another family or, you know, God forbid that she's not around anymore. So it's, I, I kind of want to know, are the police holding anything? Because I feel like this many years of no leads to anything, it just doesn't seem likely to me. I mean, she was around a school. There had to be somebody seeing something. It just right. makes no sense to me. And I know it's 2002, but they had to have some sort of surveillance camera. Something. I would think. You I would know think. it's Milwaukee and it's 2002 right. again, but there isn't anything out there. Right. And I, I think what really f- sucks the most about this is that our socioeconomic system, our public schooling failed Alexis because mm-hmm. how do you not report to a parent the child's not there? Or how does the attendance checker not call the parent and say, hey, it's 930, Alexis still isn't here. Are you going to bring her to school? Right. You know, like you, I remember you know, being in high school, them being crazy and mm-hmm. in rural Jefferson County about my attendance because yep. it was more of a thing. But even Milwaukee County, like attendance is still something you you track. Um, and I wonder if that's why we have so many issues today in our political system with kids not attending school. You know, whatever are our parents paying attention to them attending school. And b- before this kidnapping or alleged kidnapping, Alexis had perfect attendance. So. To so it's me, one of those that should raise a red, fl- it red should flag. be something that's like, hey, something's not right, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't point her parents or her or her stepfather's being. I, I, you know, there's been no conclusive evidence, but I do feel there's something going on. The police have info on that they're not talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's kind of like a a a wondering about what happened to her because this was a story that was so popular when I was a kid. I just remember hearing about it um a lot when I was by my mom and I remember my mom even talking to me about like being in the alleyways and my we played in the alleyways very unsafely but like we played mm-hmm. um and that was the only time I ever heard her say like you need to be careful what you're doing. You know, please just be very careful. Um, and I think that was because a lot of parents didn't see this coming. You know, this was something that was so publicized in the news. Um, so it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, so as of right now, there are no information, there's no information about where she is. There's been no sightings. Um, each year there's a wreath laid down at High Mount Boulevard school where Alexis went to in her honor. Um, and public officials will walk the route. She would often take to school, and they also have discussing a prayer of remembrance for her. Um, she has been featured on many different things, um, including with John Walsh when he's talked about America's Most Wanted. Um, yeah, exactly. I do too. Um, that man is a saint. I mean, to be Seriously. so involved in the lives of the children that have gone missing, um, on top of the fact that your own child was brutally murdered, I, I don't know that I could even withstand the public... I. A scrutiny or the public's ideas of what I should be doing or how mm-hmm. I should be feeling or just getting that public impact every single day like oh you do this you know you act this way you know like it's like I can't even imagine doing that and he is I envy his strength to do that right because I can't Same. even imagine doing that for a child I don't know or just I mean even talking about Alexis I mean this is tragic right um it drives me nuts that all these 
all these, I say all these people because there's so many missing cases out there that they just vanish. And I'm just Oh, absolutely. Like, I want to go search for you, but I don't know where to start. Yep. I want to, but I know, and it's easy to say that. I but. could just be like down an alley. We could be tracing children, just like trying to find <laughs> That's them. Like creepy. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like just hunt I just down want to find these ones. kids because yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, I I have cousins and nieces and nephews that I love with all of my heart, and to know that they could be missing like that is like terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when it's like a normal day. Your you know your husband supposedly dropped your daughter off at school. And that was the last known sighting ever. It's just, yeah, it's awful. It's like, what? And I haven't heard anything about her since, you know? Mm-hmm. So Honestly, for a parent, today, that's got to be so hard. And today was the first day I ever heard about the case. Besides, like, you told me you were going to come. Yeah, I mean, and that's because I lived in Milwaukee. I think that was more publicized Probably. in Milwaukee County. Um, and it was really more publicized. And I, I'm really thankful it was because I never really remember hearing about kids that went missing that were of any other minority. You know, like, I remember, like... If a girl my age went missing on the news in the in the U.S., it was, like, huge. Mm-hmm. But then you hear stories like Alexis and other girls that had, like, tragic endings and no one talks about it. And I think that's a really important thing we need to look at in the media. Yep. It's just – it's discrimination in the media. It's not okay. There is no lesser value of any single person to be seen when they're missing or anything else. It's I'm just, nodding, like, the people that – whoever would listen to this can see me, but it's, like – nodding yes like right it's such a minimal word like yes i agree and it's like hopefully something like, we agree and we never even know what that what that struggle or tragedy is like right you know i would want my own child to get as much publicity Absolutely. as possible to be found and it shouldn't matter whether or not you are good bad ugly beautiful you know like white black anything it, it's it's not to even compare it to that but it's just like i just feel like the new the media wants what it wants it doesn't care about mm-hmm. anything except what it wants and what it feels hit of sometimes bullshit that we probably can't even imagine to like start uncovering but i it i agree it's just the, it's it shouldn't matter the things that shouldn't matter do and it's just annoying exactly it's it's terrible um but alexis patterson's cases have been featured on many different shows including america's most wanted um, Crime Watch Daily. Um, there was an a- episode which I didn't know about more with Maury Povich. Um, the Maury Show actually had her on there, so I had no idea. Um, and she's been on just many different televised series to try to find her. Um, she went missing again in from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on May third of two thousand two. Um, Alexis at the time was seven years old and was seen wearing a light purple blouse or a like blue colored or purple shirt. It had horizontal stripes and a red hoodie that was a pullover, and it had a gray stripe that ran down each sleeve. She wore light blue jeans, blue and white high-top Nike sneakers, and a diamond-type like sunflower-shaped earrings with yellow and gold posts. She had a pink Barbie backpack, and she was probably about four feet tall and around 40 pounds, um, brown eyes, and she some like probably like shoulder height hair styled in two French braids that were pulled back in a ponytail. Um, and according to the family, she has a bump on her pinky finger on her left hand. And there is a small scar under her right eye along with a mole around her left eye. So um, at the time her ears were pierced as well. 
Her case is classified as endangered and missing, and she be- they believe in the Milwaukee County Police Station that she disappeared under mysterious circumstances. So today she'd be about probably 25 years old now. I was going to say, she's um, probably our age or close to. Yeah, age. close to. So again, if you have any information regarding the case or you believe that you might know some information, please contact the Milwaukee Police Department at 414-935-7401. Um, and there can also be tips that are called into the sheriff's office at 414-278-4788. And there's also the Milwaukee County Police Department with the cold case hotline. That's at 414-935-1212. So that was my... First, very podcast introduction. I'm not really sure what we say now. Um, you know, us with our little missing persons case. So um, we thank you guys for listening and join us the next time as Sarah discusses her next case. Sarah, do you have any idea of what your next one's going to be about? Yeah, I actually have one of those cases that, kind of like how you said this one was a local case that you always heard about. I remember... Um, a murder happening in Janesville because I grew up about 20 minutes north of that city. Mm. And it wasn't like a hugely popularized case, I don't think, but I remember reading it and it kind of scared the shit out of me because that was like my first um, experience of like a local crime, I feel like. So it was the murder of the Lentz family in Janesville. And I think, oh my, cover that one. They found the killer and everything. Um, So it's like not really a cliffhanger, but it was one of those cases I just remember kind of makes you want to like keep hearing about dragging along and it's kind of like a close to home scary yeah i was gonna say when we started talking about doing this i was trying to think of like because we when we first started talking about doing this podcast we were like let's do wisconsin cases and that was the first case that popped in my head because it was so close to home and it was one of those like it's janesville there's not really a lot of at the time murders it was in 2007 so yeah that'd be the one i cover next all right. Well, I'm excited to listen to it. I hope I am good at covering a story as much as you are. I tried my best. It was our first time, guys. So if we don't do so well, remember, A, we've been drinking and smoking. What? Whoa. Oh, I think uh, Google Sorry, is and that was really not Apple a fan. That, <laughs> that was like Sarah. <laughs> that was really freaked me out. So anyways. What the hell? Don't listen to us, government. We smoke and drink when we want. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, um, I hope that was a great first podcast and definitely let us know what you guys think. So we will see you all next time on Two Dimes and True Crime. Night.